This is Kabul, Afghanistan, uh, the city where all the drama has been happening the last week and a half or two. You've heard about it a bunch on the news, I suppose. The airport where everything is happening around our evacuation is off the picture uh, to the right a little bit, but one of pastor couples that was successfully evacuated out just three days ago, I think. There are thousands of Christians in Afghanistan that are literally in mortal danger on Wednesday. The crucifixions and rapes and beheadings will begin in earnest as soon as our last soldier flies out. It's already begun, but minor compared to what's coming the second half of this week. But some of them can't get to the airport. Some of them have gotten to the airport and been turned away. Some of them were in the airport, but the Taliban demanded that we return them, and so our government did. Sent them back outside the gate. Uh, really horrible, horrific, horrific things are happening right now. This pastor couple is on a U.S. plane in this picture. There are two other couples that are public pastor leaders that have not yet been able to get out. They're, they can't get through the crowd at the gate of the airport. I don't know exactly where this picture is, but the whole city is, is this kind of scenario. There's U.S. soldiers in the gate controlling who comes in and out, and I think probably this picture is from inside the airport grounds or something like that, and then the streets are just full of people. Um, the conditions are horrific. Uh, all over the street, even the runway on the airplane on the airport is covered with human feces. Uh, it's just a it's just an absolute disastrous mess. Uh, I didn't see it, but Sarah did. She said that one mother was throwing her baby over the razor wire fence into the British compound, hoping that a soldier on the other side would catch it. How desperate do you have to be to throw your baby over a fence? knowing you'll, you'll never see that child again. God can send angels and open jail doors and blind guards and send earthquakes to knock down prisons, but in, if he's going to use something in the natural, we are their only hope. There's nobody else. And they love America. And uh, the idea that was America is still very much alive in the rest of the world. They don't understand that Satan's people have ruined it here. The rest of the world still wants to come here. For good reason. So these are our soldiers that were murdered this week. I say murdered because it wasn't battle. It was, it was just murder. Thirteen of our, our soldiers, 11 boys, and they are all boys. Average age was 21. One of them's 19 with son on the way at home. The girl in the bottom left holding that baby, that's the last picture taken of her alive. Her name's Nicole. She's 23. That was her Instagram post just minutes before she died. She said, holding a rescued baby, I love my job. And as an hour or two later, she was dead. These are two of our brothers, I mean our Christian brothers, outside the airport, hoping against all hope, praying in desperation that they would get their families out. They very much realize they, they may not be alive next Sunday. And that's not an exaggeration. It's not an unfounded fear. 
I don't know if you feel more affinity for our soldiers that were murdered or our brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters who aren't Americans but Afghans, but I believe that um, because of the decisions our government is making, um, over time, American Christians are going to begin to feel much more connection to Christians worldwide than we do America. Bonhoeffer, during the Nazi days of Germany, he reached a point where he said, I realized that any real Christian had to pray for the defeat of Germany because our government was so wicked. We haven't reached that yet, I don't think, but we're going to reach a line where we will be praying against our own government because the matter of public record that Mr. Biden said, speaking of these people, F them, we don't need to take care of them. We'll just get our soldiers out and, and that's it. So our deadline is Tuesday. The Taliban is in charge and, and we're leaving. The American people are beside themselves. Um, a, a ministry I don't know of, but their name is Nazarene Ministries. And last week in 48 hours, they raised $22 million to charter planes and helicopters to fly people out of Afghanistan and the U.S. government won't let them do it. The American public is in deep distress. $22 million in 48 hours was donated. And they said they, the government won't let them land in the airport. So you've maybe heard somebody say before, if you aren't angry, you don't understand what's going on. Um, if you haven't prayed or fasted in the last two weeks, um, you're actually disobeying God. God says we're to pray for these people like we are with them. It's not wrong for us to demand justice, to feel betrayed at the corruption and the lying and the ineptitude of our own government and the wickedness of the Taliban. So I want to talk to you, those of you who are angry. I see your Facebook posts, and uh, I read the same news you do. just want to steer that a little bit this morning. Psalm 11:5 says the Lord's soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. The Lord's soul hates the wicked. That's that's the Taliban for sure. Psalm 139:19 to 22 David says, "Oh that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me therefore you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you?" Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. And Psalm 8:13 says, "All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and lies." Sounds like our government. So, since the Taliban is so wicked and our government is so corrupt and inept, Let's just all be angry and afraid all the time. Sounds like the gospel to me. Come on, that's, that's, what I, that's how I see Christians behaving on Facebook and Twitter. It's just anger. Hatred isn't going to get anybody out of the airport in Kabul. Us being angry in LaGrande isn't going to save anyone. Hello. 
Anger isn't going to bring revival. Anger isn't going to change any, any hearts in the Taliban. It isn't going to save any lives of any Christians. It isn't going to stop more suicide bombs. James 1, 19 to 20 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Got to tape that on the top of your computer monitor or the top of your phone. So that, like when you want to post that meme, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For that wrath or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger is not automatically a sin. It is a totally valid expression of real emotion and justice and truth. It is not automatically a sin. Usually, when we get angry, we add sin to it when we lose self-control. But anger is not sin. Even expressing anger is not wrong. But hatred isn't going to win this battle. Disgust at sinners on any level. I mean, if you get, maybe Afghanistan isn't on your mind or heart this week. I don't know how, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's some other situation. Our own anger or disgust or it isn't going to do any good. Hoping for some return to normalcy or nostalgia for the past isn't going to win us anything. Being stubbornly resistant to all the changes and chaos that are going around us. Fighting in the online meme war isn't going to win anybody's souls. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus says, speaking of the days before his return, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We absolutely live in the days where lawlessness abounds. Even from those pre pretending to give us laws, it's just lawlessness. It's dictatorship. And Jesus said, when that happens, the love of many will grow cold. And the word love there is agape. You know that in Greek there's three different words for love. There's eros, which means romantic love. There's phileo, which is friendship, love, and brotherly love, family love. And then there's agape, which is God's perfect love. And that's the word Jesus uses. So he's only exclusively talking about Christians in this verse because we're the only ones that have agape in our heart. So because of the lawlessness in the world, the God love in our hearts will grow cold. Why is that? Because we're so furious and exhausted all the time. Hello. In Daniel, Satan and the Antichrist will wear down the saints. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling worn down the last year and a half. And before that, to constant attack, constantly having to push back. Be very, very careful that in a lawless, violent, wicked world that you do not let the love of God grow cold in your heart. We absolutely must remain the people defined by the love of God. They will know we are Christians by our love. got to keep your attitude oriented toward God no matter what happens with the Taliban or in Salem or in DC 
any of it. Like I said, anger is not unjust or it's not a sinful emotion, but we've got to know what to do with it. I'm going to tell you this morning where to put it, what to do with it, because it's, it's totally correct to be angry, and if you're not, at some level, you're selfish. You're just ignoring what's the suffering of the people around you and the injustice that's being foisted on people, and you just got your head in your own little hole. But what do we do with that? Because it isn't it isn't going to win anybody. What are we supposed to do about our brothers, and sisters, and their children in Afghanistan? I mean, we're literally just hours away from a massacre, and. The people who can do something about it don't seem to be too worried about it. They don't care. What are we supposed to do? Well, there's a few things I want to give you. Let's go to Hebrews 13:3. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. God says, put yourself in their shoes and do what you would do if you were in Kabul right now. Do that in LaGrande. Well, I guarantee you they are praying like they've never prayed before. They are crying, screaming, wailing, desperate. Do you love them enough? Do you identify with them enough to fast and pray for their lives? To pray violent prayers, desperate prayers. Listen to and obey Jesus from Union County like you would if you were in Kabul this morning. Like it's your family, your kids on the line. Like truly, imagine, until you feel it, imagine having to throw your kid over a fence, not knowing if they're going to be caught on the other side, but then if they are, you'll never see them again, but that's a better option than keeping them here with with you where I know I'm going to get raped and crucified. Pray like that. And listen to Jesus and do what he, would say, what he says. So what is Jesus saying to them? Is Jesus telling them to protest and be angry and call for Biden's impeachment? Come on. It's what I see Christians in Union County doing. Hello. If we're to remember them like we are with them, we should behave like we're with them. Jesus isn't telling them to call for Biden's impeachment. What is Jesus saying to the people in Kabul right now? It's Sunday evening there, maybe even into the night. What is he saying? Here's what he's saying. Revelation 2, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's what Jesus is saying to our brothers and sisters in Kabul. You're about to suffer, and you're going to die. Don't be afraid. It isn't faithlessness or cowardice for them to run, because Jesus said if they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. You should have no thought that they they should just be bold and preach the gospel in the street and go get a megaphone and... I mean, maybe somebody's called to do that, and there are missionaries who are not running. They're like, God's called us here. He didn't change his mind. We're staying. 
but most of them are trying to get out, both the foreign missionaries and, and the national Christians. But this is what Jesus says. Luke 12, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after have no more that they can do. I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Jesus never pats us on the head and says, I understand it's rough. He says, you're going to die. Don't betray me. Fear God more than you fear the Taliban. Matthew 10, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow me after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what Jesus is saying to our brothers and sisters in Kabul. You cannot care about your children's lives more than you care about me. This is one intense dude. Luke 9, then he said to all of them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Revelation 13, and they worship the dragon and they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And, they, and he was speaking great blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. And he blasphemed his name and his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. And this is the key point that I want to draw out of this verse. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus told us ahead of time, I'm going to give the Antichrist forces power over you. I'm going to hand you over to them. And you will overcome by not loving your life to the death. Revelation 6. What is Jesus saying to those in Kabul right now? I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Jesus is not yet done with the number of martyrs. Our anger, our desire for justice, even for the vengeance of God is not wrong because the people who have died and are under the altar in heaven right before the presence of God are crying out for justice. God, how long till you avenge our souls? They took our heads for your gospel. When are you going to punish them? God says a little while longer, there's more that's going to join you. So when I've prayed over the last two weeks for our brothers in Kabul uh, and in all of Afghanistan, I've desperately prayed that God would get them out of the country, um, open ways supernaturally and naturally, both. The book of Acts is full of both of those. Um, God's going to do both. He's going to fly them out on our planes, and he's going to 
blind border crossing guards and let them just walk through into another country. But I also understand that he may honor some of them with crucifixion. This is what they signed up for, folks. And this is what you signed up for. And it will not stay in Afghanistan. And I pray desperately that when our time comes, that we will not deny the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have some ridiculous belief that that will never happen in America, or if you've been fooled into thinking we're going to fly out of here ahead of time, you're not going to be ready. You signed up for this. He gave his life for us, and we said that if it comes to it, we will give our life for him. Matthew 24 from the Passion Bible. You will hear of wars and revolutions on every side with more Rome rumors of war to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. Don't give in to fear for the breaking apart of the world systems is destined to happen. But it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nation will go to war against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms and there will be terrible earthquakes and horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. This is how the birth pains of the new age will begin. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed. For you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away. Many will stop following me because it will cost too much. It will hurt too bad. Or they will be so angry, they'll lose track of the gospel. Many will stop following me and fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another and many lying prophets will arise deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But hold your hope firmly to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed over all the world providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after that, the end of this age will arrive. Amen. Amen. That's what Jesus says to our brothers and sisters in Kabul, and we are to pray with them, for them as if we were with them. So those are our scriptures too. And we know that our day is coming sometime, in some way. I can't do anything about Afghanistan I can't do anything I can fast and pray but I can't change the situation and being angry even being distressed um, doesn't help them and me just my personality it's always on my mind I lose sleep I get burdened down and worn out and exhausted and and I pray through the night and all day and just these these cares that are on my mind and things and Monday night in prayer Nehemiah 8 the joy of the Lord is your strength and I'm praying and it's like the joy of the Lord is my strength 
Like, that's offensive. Like, it's offensive to me that the Lord is joyful. And it seems offensive that I should be joyful given what's going on around me. And I realized as we were praying together, like, it's so completely, absurdly, ridiculously backward that it has to be true. <laughs> that the Lord wants us to rejoice because it is the only way we're going to live through this. Because we get so burdened down with the news and the cares of the world and it's real love, and it's real concern, and it's real injustice, and it's real anger. What do I do with that? I take it into the presence of the Lord, and I cast my cares on him because he cares for me. And I rejoice in his presence because that's where my strength to fight my battle, to live my life, to carry my burdens comes from, is from rejoicing, not from anger. Anger is counterfeit strength. We can get addicted to the adrenaline rush of righteous anger. And there is righteous anger. Being angry at what's going on, coming out of the White House and being angry at what's going on in Afghanistan is correct. But it will kill you if you don't give it to God and rejoice. Our fury at what the governor is doing may be correct, but it isn't going to change anything, and it's going to kill us. I've got to get in the presence of the Lord and not just pray through my prayer requests, not just cry, not just give him my burdens. I've actually got to get happy. And that is offensively, stupidly backward. So it has to be the kingdom of heaven. You may not be, your mind may not be Afghanistan. It may be one of your lost children or your health issue or your disastrous marriage or whatever it is. The answer is get in the presence of God, cast your cares on him, and keep moving until you find ridiculous, hysterical, laughing joy. Because there is the strength that you can have to face the situations of the world. And because that is so impossible for us to do, it has to be God. Like, that's not possible for me to rejoice, except that I have to do it by faith. So I know it's God because it would take a lot, a lot of faith for me to rejoice this week. But I got there. I didn't get there Monday night. It took, it took the rest of the week after I realized this, like, oh, oh God. Like, it seems like a betrayal of the people that are suffering, but it's not. It's the only place where I can have strength to minister to you this morning. It's the only place where you can have the presence of God to share with your family. It's the only place where you can fast and pray from for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. So we've got to find joy. Psalm 149 again. Third Sunday in four weeks. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. 
Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Hallelujah! I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. And that God puts a sword in my hand, and it's not a physical sword. There's a sword in my hand, and the principalities and the kings of nations, God's justice is happening as we joyfully praise him. It's not a betrayal of our desperate family in Afghanistan for us to worship really hard, to praise, to dance, to sing. That's war on their behalf. I taught you a couple weeks ago, that's where God gets his strength from, to go and perform his will. And we're handcuffing the powers of darkness when it's real praise and real worship. Darkness is getting handcuffed when we raise a real hallelujah. So number one, we pray with them like we are with them. Number two, we've got to, by faith, find real joy and not just anger and desperation Thirdly, the other thing we can do is mourn for the price that they're paying, even for the betrayal of our own government. Um, Our own soldiers and the Afghans who've worked with us and the Christians that America would have concerned itself with decades ago, but now does not. Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. It's the one that's the most out of place in that list, if you know the list of Beatitudes. We must be very, very, very careful that we are not self-righteously righteous. I mean, it's righteous to be angry. But that instantly turns to self-righteousness. God and everyone around, look at how angry I am about the Taliban. Look at how angry I am about what the government's doing, so that makes me righteous. Come on, you're just virtue signaling just like what the left does. You may be factually correct about the situations or the facts or the people that you're angry with, but that's not at all constructive in the spirit. It doesn't accomplish anything, and it actually, like I said, it's counterfeit strength. You are padding yourself with pride. Because God's power is made complete in weakness. And sorrow is weakness. Anger is some sort of attempt at being strong. Anger is pride, which God opposes. Sorrow is humility, which God gives grace. Anger will drain you. It will kill you. Mourning, the Bible says, leads to joy where our strength is, the strength of God. But I want so badly to fight. I want to make it right. I want to do something. But in the end, all I can do is admit that I need saved. And that's a horrendous admission for our pride to make is that I can't do anything about that on the other side of the world. I can't even control my tongue in my own house. 
I need saved. And that, good news, is what Jesus came to do. To save us from our sin. He did not come to save us from the Taliban. He came to save us from your own sin. So believe it or not, it's going to sound really crazy, the most productive thing you can do for God's will to happen in Kabul or Salem or D.C. or your own marriage or your prodigal sons, the most productive thing you can do is to cry over your own sin. To confess your own wickedness and mourn over your own disobedience and get your heart in the right place toward Christ. Because, believe it or not, God is more concerned with making you Christ-like than he is changing the world situation. And if every Christian in the world, or just even every Christian in eastern Oregon, would honestly get right before God and humble ourselves, what does he say he will do? I will save your land. It's so backward, it has to be true. Like, I want to fight. I want to establish righteousness. I want to bring justice. I want to right all the wrongs. I want to rescue everyone who's suffering. No, you admit that you need saved. Let Jesus be Jesus. And when you're clean-hearted toward God, pray hard, cry hard, dance hard, pray in tongues, worship deep, praise sacrificially, rejoice by faith. And darkness is getting handcuffed. He works his will in you and your family and your nation and the global church. Real briefly, I want to address something else. Some of you, some of American Christians, have just gotten so disgusted and so overwhelmed with everything that is changing and all the bad that's happening. They're just rolling over and giving up. Like, well, we know this is going to happen. Jesus told us, and so we shouldn't be resisting it. We shouldn't be fighting it. Let's just, it's just going to let it happen. And some people are even calling down judgment on America. Um, I had a man tell me this week, I cannot pray for mercy for America anymore. I'm so angry. I just, I hate who we are and what we're doing and the betrayal that's happening to our military and and by our military, and I just want to—I just want to say this: if if you're tempted to go that route, we're here in America for a reason—to be salt and light. We're supposed to resist, uh, even if, even when we know it's God's will ultimately that all these things come to pass. We're supposed to be here resisting darkness, fighting wickedness. In our prayers and fasting and righteousness, I don't mean in the fighting in the natural, but there's a Bible, I'm not prepared with it, so I don't know the reference, but there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, woe to him who desires the day of the Lord. Now, you just heard me two weeks ago <laughs> read from the New Testament that says we're to look forward to the day of the Lord. Which one is it, Mitch? Yes, it's both. <laughs> I don't believe God is done with America. I don't believe at all that America is who the media and the government say we are. 
when, when $22 million gets raised in 48 hours of donations of people who already paid their taxes and that money should be going to fly those planes, but they're giving more money away to rescue more people, the, the wickedness in America is being forced on us. I don't know. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what God's plan is for revival and for uh, salvation in the natural or in the spiritual. I don't know, but just if your heart has gone to um, calling for judgment and I can't pray for mercy and we just deserve to be destroyed, you've missed the boat somewhere. Our job is to intercede, to bless our nation, to bless those in authority so that they will do God's will. Seems impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. You just sang it and we either believe it or we don't. If We've got to be working for revival and salvation and restoration, both of the church and our culture. Because as I said in the beginning, if it ain't us, then there, there isn't anybody else. In the natural, there is no other hope for the world but us. If Satan successfully destroys us, the world's in trouble. Don't judge America. Bless her. Love her, pray for her. Pray for those in authority. Lord Jesus, we lift our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan to you, Lord. We ask for supernatural rescue, Lord. I pray for door, that you would open doors that no one can shut. I pray that when the Taliban starts crucifying Christians and raping their women, that they would see your glory, that, they would, that you would drop with the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that they would... You can do to them what you did to Saul on the road. It was the same spirit that he was operating in. You can remove it and replace it with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for supernatural intervention, rescue, salvation for your people, for our family. Lord, should you choose not to, we bless those with boldness, courage that they would not deny the name of Jesus Christ in what they are about to suffer. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength, fortitude in their hearts. And when they see their children suffering, they would not deny your name, knowing that this is just the shadow of death. This isn't real death. Lord, I pray that when our turn comes, that you will build our faith that we would not be those who deny your name, that we would not be those that you said, will I find faith on the earth? Prepare us now, Lord, with the word of our testimony and that we love and honor our life to the death. Those you've called to stay, I ask you protect them. Those that you would call out, get them, get them out, Lord, by plane or by land or by translation, whatever you need to do, Lord. I pray for a miracle, that you would make a way where there is no way. You are the way maker. You are the one who makes the sea into highways. You're the only one who can. Lord, we repent of anger, sinful anger. Our righteous anger, Lord, we give it to you. And we are going to rejoice. We're going to give you glory we're going to honor your name, we're going to sing, we're going to dance, we're going to pray. And you handcuff darkness 
You lop off the head of the kings of darkness as you rise up in strength as your church praises you. We repent of finding false strength and anger. We embrace mourning and we embrace joy. Lord, please, please do a great miracle. Amen.